Welcome to the October 30th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 12, and the sermon is entitled, Taking Note, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Good morning. Grab your Bibles, go to the book of Joshua in your Old Testament, chapter number 12. I had an old man one time, I called him old because I was young. I still think I'm young, but I'm long getting to be the old man. And I want young people here to know that as that old man pulled me aside as I was a teenager, he said, Jeffrey, I know that God is dealing with you. For somebody else to see it was amazing. For me to know it, it's one thing, but for somebody else to see when God is dealing with you, it's an amazing thing. And I don't know who needs to hear that today, but maybe you're here today and God is dealing with you. Today we're going to talk about taking note. This is, a, this is a hard text to preach through. Something very different than where we've been. The battles are over, but yet God still deals with His people. And so as I think about a note, I have become king of a post-it note. Anybody in here use post-it notes? Kim and I are on the same page. If you come to the office over there, post-it notes remind us of everything we must do and everything we forgot to do. But post-it notes are something that keep me on track, keep me from forgetting. And so today as we open this chapter, chapter number 12, it's a look back. It's a look back on what God has done for His people. It's a look back in the time of Moses. It's a look back on where Joshua has led them thus far. But it's also of what, a, a, a decision of what God is going to do in the future. And so today, I pray that we are the ones taking note. You and I today, take note as God deals with us. My prayer is that I'm not the only person in this room that God is dealing with. And I'm grateful that He uses His Word today. As we begin this tough part of Joshua, it can be tedious... And it can often be times, if I were reading chapter 12 in my own study, I would really skim through it or even possibly skip over it. Because there are too many names, there are too many places, there are too many things I can't pronounce, and it doesn't matter. Well, friend, if we look at the Bible like that, we skip over over half of the Old Testament and not even read it. I want you to know it is important. Matthew chapter 1. Why is Matthew chapter 1 in your New Testament? It points out the genealogy of a Savior that was promised long ago. And and, and God Almighty takes the hand and He writes it down so that people like you and I can follow step by step of how God carried out His plan. I'm grateful for chapters like Joshua chapter 12, Matthew chapter 1, that teach us God's hand is in every part of the record-keeping business. And today, as we look at the record that has been kept in the life of Moses and the life of Joshua, before I ever read one word, I want to give you the first point. You'll get four of them today, and that is this. It's God's plan all along. Remember, we're coming off a season of battle, years of battle, And as we look at that battle season, it's been God's plan that God's people get into the promised land. We're there. We've we've battled it out. And now the plan is there. God's plan has come to fruition. 
Can you and I say the same thing about our life? Is God still working? I hope so. But as you look at your life, your individual life, not your family, not your mama and daddy, not your grandparents, but you, do you know that you are right in the middle of the plans of God? Today, I want to challenge you. If you look at your life and you don't see God working in it, you need to relocate really fast and get in the plan that God has for your life. As I think about God's holy word, we're midway through the book of Joshua and looking back, where have we seen God? Where have we seen God? Well, we've seen him way before Joshua became a leader as he was a spy and as God sent him and to spy out the land. God was with Joshua. And God was with Joshua's tongue as he told the leaders, let's go take the promised land. But they didn't do it. God was with Joshua in a time of the wilderness. He was raising him and preparing him to be the man that we read about in this book. God was there. It's easy to see when we look at Joshua's life that as he assumes command and as we use the word leadership of the Israel army or, and the Israel nation, that he's also assuming to be the chief servant of his people. Whenever you look at a leader... Whenever you look at a leader, number one, you should see Jesus. But you also should see their love for Jesus and their leadership based on his leadership of their life. My prayer today, as we look at the life of Joshua, we can see God there. We see God in Rahab and the story of Rahab. And we see God in the story of the crossing of the Jordan River. We see God in the memorials and the restoration of the circumcision and the Passover. We see as God comes and takes over captain of this army. We see as the walls of Jericho fall and the missteps in the town of Ai. We've seen him in victory in the battle of the south and of the north. And today, at the end of chapter number 11, we even see God in the rest that he gives his people. Friends, today, I don't know where your life and God's plan are. But I hope so far in the book of Joshua, you have seen what happens when a man submits to the leadership of God in his life and then how he affects an entire nation of people. Oh, that we could get people at Clifford Baptist Church to give of their lives in such a way that it's not about them. And it's all about God. And then watch what God does. How many of us will be obedient to the plan that God has prepared for their life? I read chapter number 12. Not as a tally. You're going to get a number at the very end of the chapter. You're going to get a number there. But this is not a moment to keep score or a number to add up and say that we have had this much or we have done this much. Friends, we've got to be careful with numbers. Numbers will get us in trouble because numbers get in the way of what God wants to do. But friends, listen. Today, as we look at chapter number 12, my hope is this, that we remember what God has done for his people long ago and what God can do for you and I here today. We look at the life of Moses and we know that God 
has a plan. Let's look in Joshua chapter number 12. We're going to read the first six verses. Now these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel, Israel smote and possessed their land on the other side of Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon and to the Mount Hermon and all the plain on the east. Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled over Aurora, which is upon the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of the river and from half Gilead, even into the river Jabbok, which is on the border of the children of Ammon. And from the plain to the sea of Shinaroth, on the east and to the east, or excuse me, and unto the sea of the plain, even the salt sea on the east, the way to Beth Jeshemoth, and from the south under Ashdoth Pisgah, and the coast of Og of Bashan, which is the remnant of the giants that dwelt in Ashtaroth and at Edrai, and Rain, and Mount Hermon, and in Salka, and in Bashan, the border of the Geshurites and the Meachathites, and half the Gilead, and the border of Sion, king of Heshbon. Them did Moses, the servant of the Lord, the children to the, and the children of Israel smite. Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave it for a possession unto the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half tribe of Manasseh. Now you know why I would have just skipped it. It's more coming, y'all just wait. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the Word of God that as it seeks to find our place and we seek to find our God, it is the Word of God that brings us to Himself. As we think about the two and a half tribes that would inhabit the eastern side of the Jordan River, now, we're going to get to that next week or next time, okay? Next time, next sermon is going to be a big sermon, a history lesson. You don't want to miss it, okay? But these two and a half tribes, the, the land area that we're talking about, Moses is the one that captured that land. And I want you to see, and point number two is this. It is good to remember, when we think about taking notes, I take notes to remember things. And here in chapter number 12, we are introduced in verses 2 and 4 to two kings, Sion and Og. Those two kings were not defeated by Joshua. They were defeated by Moses. Now stay with me here. I know this is tough. We are in the weeds. But Moses is the one that defeated these two kings. And why is it good that we look back on that? Why is it good that we give part of chapter 12 to look back on what Moses did? Because here's why. What Moses did and what Joshua did led the people to where they are today. It put them where God wanted them. And so, as we look at the beginning stages of Moses and leading into the promised land, there are two kings, Sion and Og, and they are uh, kings that caused trouble along the way. I'll get to that in just a second. But Sion was the king of the Amorites, highlanders. Most of the mentioning that you see in the Bible of Sion is, is talking about a people that go against the people of God. Okay, They go against the people of God. And, and that's, that defeat by Moses signaled the end of the Sion of Sion and that, that a tribe that he had, that he led. The second king is King Og. 
pretty uh, interesting fellow if you begin to dig in your Bible. I'll give you a little homework. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 3, and you'll find out all kind of good information about Og, uh, and you'll see these battles. But there are a couple of things that I want you to see about Og. Og is a descendant of the giant people, the people that are giant in size. And Moses defeated him. One of the cool things about Scripture that it teaches about Og is it tells us the size of his bed. The size of the bed that he slept in. Why would Scripture do that? Well, it gives us the details. Some of you really think you have a king-sized bed. This is a king-sized bed. Uh, it said it was uh, nine cubits long, four cubits wide, 13 and a half feet by six feet. I could sleep there. But we look at those little details that your Bible holds that I would often just skim right over. And yet we see Moses defeated two great kings. If you want to read about these battles, you can read them in Numbers chapter number 21. Or you can read Moses' account in Deuteronomy chapter number 2. And here is the story. This is how the battle took place. We're backing out of Joshua to Deuteronomy chapter number 2 real quick. And I'm going to summarize it so I don't have to read it. Here's what Moses says. Moses says, I've got a place to get to. God has led me to lead my people to the promised land, and I need to get there. But in order to get there, they had to pass through the territory that we're talking about right now. And so he goes to Sion, and he says, Hey, look, I need to pass through your territory, and here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to pass through your territory uh, uh, through your land. I'm willing to stay on the roads that are there. I'm, there to, uh, I'm willing to pay for my food as we pass through. I'm even willing to pay for water to drink as long as we can just pass through your land and get to the promised land. We need to get to through where you are to get to where we need to be. Instead of... Uh, 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 what Moses was asking for was an easement. Let me just get through your property, get to where God wants me, and we're good. And Sion, the king, says, absolutely not. You're not going to do that. This is my land, this is my territory, so here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a war with you and your people. And that's exactly what he did. Now, what in the world? Why is all of this sandwiched in the book of Joshua? Because Moses had to fight a battle too. Joshua had to fight many battles. And today, you and I are fighting some things, but we look back to remember where God has guided the steps. Even going through a hostile territory, when the king says, no, you can't come here, God made a way. If you read Deuteronomy chapter number 2, Deuteronomy chapter number 3, it said God fought and won the battle. God won those battles there. And so I, I'm grateful that as we read chapter 12, it takes us back to Deuteronomy, it takes us back to the book of Numbers, but we see God leading His people along the way. It's good to remember those things. But as we see people that continue to stand in the way and against God. Has that changed today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God has a plan for your individual life, but I believe God has a plan for our church's lives. 
there are things that are going to come up and get in our way. There, there are going to be things that we have to deal with. But if we follow the leading of God, He will take us where we're supposed to be, no matter what comes against us. Friends, today, it's good to remember those steps and even the missteps and see that God was there throughout everything. Look at verse number 8, Joshua chapter number 12, verse number 8. Here's what it says. In the mountains and in the valleys, in the plains and in the springs, and in the wilderness and in the south country, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. As we switch now from Moses to Joshua, it didn't matter where Joshua went or who came against them, God was leading the charge. And so today, before I move on from this point, looking back at your life, here's what I want to ask you. Is there a moment in your life, number one, where you can say, God showed up here? I can tell you at 15 years old, down 60 East at Popular United Methodist Church, that's where God showed up in my life. When I was 15 years old, but through the years, I can mark battles and circumstances and times where God has steadied me and guided my steps and guided my stupid self and my stupid decisions to bring me where you see me today. And I cannot be here if it were not for God Almighty. And hopefully you will say, I can't sit here today if it weren't for what God has done in my life. If you look back through your life, some of you may see hard days or hard times or hard battles. But here's my question. Did you see God bring you through them? Maybe today you are here and there's something going on, something bothering you, something keeping you from where you are supposed to be. Trust God through it all. That's my advice to you today. Trust God through it. Looking back, I'm grateful that I can see God in my life, in the life of Joshua, and in the life of Moses. One day, somebody will stand here and say some words over a body that's gone. And I hope whoever that is that stands before people that gather, and maybe somebody will show up, I don't know. But somebody will say simply this, he knew the Lord. He knew the Lord and he served him faithfully. That's all I want somebody to say. He knew the Lord and he served him faithfully. I hope that you can see that in the life of Moses and in the life of Joshua. Point number three is this. His mercy endures forever. When you think about taking notes on God, you need to know this. You need to know that His mercy endures forever. Psalm 136. If you want to, I'm going to ask you to go there, if you will. Psalm 136. Fast forward there in your Bible, if you will, because I'm going to get you to help me in just a second. If you want a psalm to uplift your spirits, to give you joy and to remind you your purpose, you need to read these 26 verses of this psalm. But why did I pick this psalm? Why this psalm out of the other 150? 
Because right smack dab in the middle of it, if you look uh, in verse number 17, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of what God has led them to and through. And even you might know these, these uh, names as we get to them. Look at verse number 17 real quick. It says this. To him which smote great kings for his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings for his mercy endureth forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for a heritage for his mercy endureth forever. Even a heritage unto Israel his servant for his mercy endureth forever. When we see uh, uh, this psalm, all 26 verses end with that little same saying, for his mercy endureth forever. This is a psalm that would be of worship. And as the people of Israel would worship, they would look back on the days of Sion and Og and see where God led them through that. And they would proudly proclaim his mercy endureth forever. They would see the battles and they would say his mercy endureth forever. And so as we remember today where God has led the people of Israel, my prayer is this, that in our lives, that that, those words ring true, God's mercy endures forever. I'm a a believer today that if it weren't for the mercy of God, wow, through my years of 18 and 19 and 20, thanks be to God. For his mercy because it it endures forever. But here's what I want to do. I want to read the first three verses of this song. And then I'm going to skip to the last four verses. But I want you to help me read that. I'm going to read the first part. And you resound those words. For his mercy endureth forever. You ready? Oh give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Who remembered us in our lowest state. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. Who giveth food to all flesh for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto, unto the God of heaven. For his mercy endures forever. Friends, I want you to know when we think and we remember and we look back and we take note, we've got to be careful to give God credit where credit is due. And so many times we take that upon our own shoulders and say, look what I did. Look who I brought to church. Look who I got saved. Friend, you didn't do anything. God did it all. And I don't want to dampen your your spirits today, but I just want to remind you, it is by God and His mercy that we are even here today. For His mercy endures forever. The people of Israel that had come through bondage, that had been in the wilderness, that had to fight battles, that had to fight years-long war, they remember that God's mercy did indeed endure forever. My last point of the day comes from the rest of chapter, uh, chapter number 12 of Joshua. I'm going to read from verses 9 on. 
And note, these are not the king's names. These are places where the kings reigned. And if, as we read these, if you had a map, I don't have a map with me today. We're going to introduce a map pretty soon. But as, as the map comes along, if you were looking, it's going to be the east side of the Jordan from the south going north as these places are read. Join me in verse number 9. I'm going to back up to verse number 8. It says, In the mountains and the valleys, in the plains and the springs, and in the wilderness and in the south country, the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. The king of Debir, one. The king of Geder, one. The king of Hormah, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Abdullam, one. The king of Magda, one. The king of Bethel, one. The king of Tapua, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Aphek, one. The king of Lasharon, one. The king of Madon, one. The king of Hazor, one. The king of Shimron Meron, one. The king of Akshaph, one. The, the king of uh, Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jachneum of Carmel, one. The king of Dor in the coast of Dor, one. The king of the nations of Gilgal, one. The king of Tirzah, one. All the kings, thirty and one. Was that painful? Sometimes I read scripture and I was like, that was painful. For my birthday this year, turned 40, there's a, there's a godly man within our community. His name is Mr. Braxton. Many of you know Reverend Braxton. And in my little packet that I get every birthday are some reminders of some things. And, and in that packet was a 1,000, on one sheet of paper, one whole sheet of paper, 1,000 connect the dots. I mean, it had 1,000 little dots on one page. So here I am trying to read it, number one. Don't know what this picture is going to be, but I know it's going to be something. And so, uh, not this birthday, but previous birthdays, I would take them to the third shift job. Don't tell them I did that. And on my breaks, I would take a ruler and try to do that, right? And, and it, it would be this beautiful building or this beautiful city or it would be some image. But you first had to connect the dots. It looked like a mess before. But until you connected the dots. And that's the way I see this scripture. Friends, if we had time, we could go into a history lesson like none other. And I'm not a history teacher. But we could connect the dots of every place that God has been. And every place that God worked. And everything that God did. But I pray that you will just take my word as we read this chapter. And I connect the dots for you. That God was in every place. And in every battle. And in every situation. And God won the battle. Point number four is this, is the recording of the details. How many people in here are detail-oriented kind of people? Slip your hand up real quick. How many are, don't care about the details, you just want to get it done? Maybe I should have asked it like this. How many of you open the box and read their directions? And how many of you just get, get busy and get going? <laughs> Friends, I want you to know, whatever way, Whatever way that you view Scripture, 
I hope that you can see God is in the middle of it. In recording of the details, verses 9 through 24, from the king of Jericho to the king of Tirzah, all were defeated by Israel through the leading of God Almighty. It was not one man. It was not one nation. It was God. We cannot miss that. It was God that won the battle. Each of these kings represent what God has done. 33 of them total in this chapter. Two were defeated by Moses. 31 of them defeated by Joshua. These battles are important to the people of God. And I want you to know this today. They should be important to you. Why are the battles important? I spoke to it just a little bit earlier. And as I wrap it up today. These people were on their promised land journey. And God connected the dots through different kings and through different places and through different cities. But God was at the head of it all. As I read these words today, brought to mind that I too am am on my promised land journey. And I don't know what battles lay ahead. But as I remember where I've been and even where I am today... I remember the power of my holy God. I I remember the power that Jesus has over my life. And I want to be careful. I want to be careful to tell and to share that with every person that I meet. Friends, you are on your promised land journey as well. My prayer is that everyone is headed to the same destination. I don't know that to be true, but that's my prayer. And today, as you look ahead to where God wants you and what God wants you to do and what you're going to might be facing in the future, trust God through it all. Remember the finest details. God needs to be there. God needs to be in charge of the details of your journey and your life. And that happens only when you submit day by day to what the, what the Lord has for your life. So today, as we wrap up this 12th, chapter don't sit there and take score and one and one and one but here's what I want you to do very carefully in your own heart say God where do I need you to show up God you know I'm struggling here I'm going to give this and trust this battle to you Maybe there's somebody in this room today that says, I really don't don't remember what a victory looked like because I just feel so defeated. My question to you is, are you trusting the Lord like you need to? Today, where does God need to show up in your story, in your journey? For Christians today, that may mean this, God, continue to walk with me. If that's your prayer, I I hope that you will verbalize that prayer. God, continue to walk with me. Continue to guide my steps. Continue to to be with my thoughts and, and give me wisdom where I need it. I pray that's your prayer. Maybe today that you say, Pastor Jeffrey, I'm not where I should be. That's the first step. That is the first step. If you're getting where you need to be. You might need to to work on it and you might need to to spend time in prayer and seeking where that needs to be. But spend that precious time getting where God wants you to be. Maybe today you're here and you never ever have trusted Christ as Savior. I want to go back and remember the wilderness just for a second. Because if you're here without Christ, you're probably wandering around Doing some good things and the right things and the things that you think you should be doing, but they're not necessarily godly things. 
If you're here and you've never committed your life to a Savior in Jesus Christ, today He will change your path. I wanted to be a baseball player. God had some other, other plans, didn't He? I thought about being in sports, being a referee or a coach or something like that down the line. God said no. God said no. At 15 years old, I knew what I was supposed to be doing. And God connected the dots for me. Maybe, maybe today, for the very first time, you will trust God to connect those dots of your life that start at the foot of the cross. Today, if your life doesn't begin there in Jesus Christ, my prayer is that you will make that change. Not next week, not next time, not tomorrow, right now. As we come before a holy God, my prayer is this, that He will lead the next steps of our lives together. As we walk, as we're faithful, as we seek to follow Him today. Let's go to God in prayer. God, today, Lord, I don't know how exactly you will use this message. Lord, in a very personal way, I feel like, so what? Of chapter number 12. God, my prayer is this, is that you will lead the story of, or you will use the story of the Israel people to speak to some very, very comfortable American people. Lord, I pray that you not only speak to American people, but that you speak to the church, particularly at Clifford Baptist Church. Lord, that you will take eyes and thoughts and minds off ourselves, that you allow us to put them on you. Lord, as we look back, if there's a life within this sanctuary that has never, ever trusted you, that's the burden of my heart today that that one would come and just lay their life down and trust you. A sinner being saved by grace, Lord, you can change anyone if they come to the foot of the cross. My prayer is that one that needs you today will come seeking Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that you will take comfortable Christians and make them uncomfortable. Lord, that you will go before us and that you will lead the battles. But, Lord, you call us to obedience and to follow. God, in this moment of invitation, in this moment of seriousness with God, God, I pray that you show up in our lives, that you move people's hearts, you move their mouths, and you move their steps to be in tune with you. Lord, connect the dots for those that are having trouble. Lead the way, Lord, we pray. And we thank you for what you've done in the past, but we also look to the future knowing you're going to lead there as well. God, we submit to you today. and We give it all. Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.